0: Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and
1: behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Doughton, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched.
0: And I'm Dr. Joe Harchi with Soft Heart Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist.
1: We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood.
0: For more information, visit our Instagram page of Breaking the Couch or our website breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional.
1: Okay, so we've had some feedback that people really liked the episode we did, and now I'm drawing a blank for the name, but the episode that we did on um, basically describing some typical behaviors that people might be experiencing that could be traced back to trauma, a uh, trauma history, or a specific traumatic event. And so we wanted to offer them a part two for some more things that people can explore about their patterns of behaviors, things that they're experiencing in their life that could potentially be related to trauma history and something they can get help and support with uh, if they need. Sounds good? Sounds great. In a previous episode, People might remember that we
0: had t- talked about that and it came from your TikTok where you had like the raindrops and <laughs> you had said, you know, if this is something you're experiencing, you might look at trauma. And then we kind of extended that or were inspired by that. And there's so many more. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. There's one that I was just talking about with a couple of patients that uh, I want to throw out there. And I want to like just cushion this and caveat this with I, am um, I, we are not medical doctors. So go ahead and get your checkups, do what you need to do, check in with your healing providers around this. But when patients ask me about their, their chronic tummy issues, Mm -hmm. right? Like IBS, these kind of things, um, Mm -hmm. they will be surprised to hear that we talk a little bit about the parasympathetic nervous system and how it's like the rest and digest, right? Mm -hmm. So it means like kind of bringing down the nervous system. And if somebody is activated or really, really um, kind of ready for fight, flight or freeze, Mm -hmm. uh, they might be in a different state with their nervous system, and their parasympathetic nervous system might not have that chance to rest and digest. And their tummy um, may have some of these like irritation or IBS or like chronic tummy issues. And so patients might ask me, you know, is there any correlation with that? And I was like, I know that there is anecdotally, but I mm-hmm. looked it up and I was like, actually, yeah, it does correlate. I, I do wanna mm-hmm. not only confirm and affirm, but also like the science says that those two correlate, tummy issues okay. and trauma. So if you have tra- you know tummy issues, you might look into trauma.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I love that you said that you knew anecdotally it was there, but then also you looked at the evidence. I mean, even when we look at adverse childhood experiences of the ACEs study, right, mm-hmm. we know that trauma maps onto a lot of physical um, or medical conditions, so mental health and other uh, bodily physical conditions. And that tummy irritation, that stomach acid irritation, the nervous system, and how we digest food um, can be affected for trauma and then people who are experiencing high levels of anxiety, which we know that not always, but often anxieties also has a trauma base, even if it's like little T trauma or some of the, you know, I don't even want to call them smaller, but some of the other more day-to-day traumas that people can experience uh, in comparison to those big catastrophic or like a death, uh, major life changes types of traumas. Um, But it's also because like you talked about the regulation and bringing down or calming down the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system so that it doesn't activate and put us into fight, flight, or freeze. Right. But what happens is once we've already gone to that point and it's been activated and adrenaline rushes through the body, it takes about four hours or so for adrenaline to process through the body and that can have effects on the stomach. Right. Right losing your appetite or not being able to keep things down. And so again, you know, you said it really beautifully, we aren't medical physicians and you should always consult with them if you're having these um these medical concerns and your mental health is related to your medical conditions most of the time, right? It's not a this or that. There's a combination of the two because we are all in a, you know, one being in a body. So Ah, that was a really good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. A patient had just recently asked me that and a lot of other folks have been talking about that. So I was like, okay, I think that's definitely one. Um, and you so beautifully talked about how, uh, they're, they're connected.
1: Mm -hmm. I think just as you were talking now, I did have one that popped up for me and it's related to the little ones, the children. um, but I am usually fascinated when um, I think that we as adults or parents don't think about the little tea traumas that we think are little tea traumas because a child is really young and so they're not gonna remember it or um, it's commonplace that happens. So for example, when when parents or you know, caregivers fight with one another or argue, whether it becomes physical or it's just a lot of yelling. Um or their separation and reunification and separation and reunification, like back and forth between those breakups. So like break up the makeup, break up the makeup. Um, and a young child with infancy, toddler, preschool age or seeing that and in living that, that has a direct impact on their, can have a direct impact on their development in their social emotional development. They're um, more likely to have early childhood anxiety and then later anxiety. And this is rooted from the fact that we actually look at those parent breakups and reunifications and breakups as trauma. That's an early adverse childhood experience and people don't think about it. And so when we think about the old adage, like stay together for the children, right? It's like, we can I mean, I'm always reframing, reframing things for people so you can see like, what does this really mean? It really means traumatize our children. Right. Like it really means because it's staying together for them, but we're not working on the harmful or toxic mm-hmm. things within our relationship. Only just means that we're going to stay together in a toxic environment and let our children or our child grow up in that. Right. And so that's going to have um, an impact. So if you are listening to this and you're an adult and you're thinking back to, you know, maybe your parents were breaking up, making up, breaking up, making up, and whatever that looks like. Um, could be related to symptoms or things that you're experiencing in your life now it's another trauma
0: yeah we hear that one all the time right folks will be like oh you know not that much happened but i did see this constant um like you said like leaving and then reunification leaving reunification um, or like the verbal part of it even if somebody didn't like uh physically abandon Right. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. hear that all the time and the way that that shows up for people later on. And then, but even currently for children and babies, like kind of how it shows up in, in ways that they're eating or ways that they're in school. Um, so we could see it now. We can see it later. Definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I mean, we can, that's a whole other episode, but mm-hmm. how, um, psychological and social emotional needs of young children are manifested in their behavior and their appetite, eating patterns, sleeping patterns, you know? So when we go, yes, you know, physicians are going to ask about um, what's the child eating, what's going on at home. They're going to be looking for some of those, you know, medical environmental things. However, we are also looking at those relationship structures, like what's happening in the child's life that could also be influencing. Um, that the cranky baby or the crying and all that stuff too. So like, they're all equally important.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and that kind of makes me think of another one and it's inspired by some of the work that you were doing um, years ago and the stuff that we find ourselves talking about all the time is where, you know, if, if you find yourself in a stuck place in therapy, mm-hmm. if you find yourself in like a gap in your your progress in therapy, you might want to look at trauma. Um, and why I say that is because um, we've talked about different cases where the case was conceptualized in a way that just looked at some of the superficial stuff, um, some of the stuff like, you know um how the person is behaving or ways that they're showing up in school, and not necessarily looking at their history. Um, and And with that, we learned that, okay, let's bring in the scope of trauma. And now uh, the whole case is conceptualized differently. And so what that means, I guess, is that if you're feeling like you're working with your therapist for maybe a year or two years and your anxiety persists, maybe it shows up differently. Maybe you don't have panic attacks like you did in 2020, but Mm -hmm. maybe you still have this like lingering worry and you're like, what is this? And Mm -hmm. you and your therapist have never done an ACEs like Dr. Dalton just explained the aces, like Mm -hmm. you and your therapist have never talked about your history or your, um, you know, different things that happened to you um, physically, sexually, emotionally. And and those are kind of just things that are unspoken in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I would encourage you to look at trauma and and see if that's something that is missing in your therapy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something that you'd be willing to explore with a therapist, right? Because mm-hmm. I think this is really great that we're kind of highlighting some of the things that can be traced back to trauma uh, and giving people the language for that because I'm all often reminded that even though, thankfully, the stigma surrounding mental health and therapy is decreasing somewhat in the United States, there's a big push for people to get mental health supports and to talk about it. So that's really great. And I think that there's two categories and maybe there's more, but I'm highlighting two right now where people will over pathologize trauma and like, yes, there are little t traumas, but like they'll use the word, the word has become so mainstreamed that they'll be like, um, I was sitting in traffic and oh my gosh, that was so traumatic. Right. And it's like, okay, (laughs) was there a major car accident that you saw? Like what, you know, what are some other things that was happening that made that traumatic? Um, But it's just one of those things that becomes overused. And so there's that category, but then there's also the category of people or the way that's used where you only think about, was I physically assaulted? Was I, did I witness something horrendous happen? No, no, then I don't have trauma. That happens all the time, yeah. <laughs> and so then they come to, if they are coming for treatment, right? They're you're coming, and you'll say, "I'm struggling at work." It's always an example. Like, I'm struggling at work, mm-hmm. or I just had an argument with a friend, or um, mm-hmm. something like that, right? And mm-hmm. they're just set focused on this is the presenting problem or whatever. And so you know, sometimes therapists, you know, we will just okay, that's what you presented with um now myself and you we do a trauma assessment like for every case you come in you come in and you say oh i'm looking for a new career okay let's just do this trauma screening that's all i want to know right just right Find right. if that's not applicable but let's just do the trauma screening and see what comes up and we do that because in talking about the aces with the original ACE study um, it's a score that maps on to those medical and physical conditions. And the score we look at is four or more. So the original ACEs has the 10 um, adverse childhood experiences listed on there. And then we know that people who have four or more ACEs, they start to increase in intensity and type of medical and mental health conditions and just life outcomes um, up to, and including early death. Mm-hmm. And so, We know we're kind of looking at, you know, four or more is the, four is the the, the number that we're looking for to see if they've had, you know, four or more traumatic experiences that happened in their childhood. And honestly, I think of my, in all my years, so far I've had one person that had fewer than four. Um, And it was great, but that person was five years old. So it was also like, which I was like, this is this is phenomenal. Like, this is wonderful. Um, and then there's another ACE study that, or another score that I calculate in things like racism, because that wasn't on the first one and community violence wasn't on the first one. So there are some adaptations to it, but I think people don't think about just because something has been normalized doesn't mean the nervous system won't recognize it as trauma. And it depends on everyone's situation you would have a lot of protective factors in place uh, so that maybe something doesn't register as traumatic. But we also have a lot of evidence that for most people, this thing happening and then a combination of or compile of a lot of these things, you know, then we're looking at wanting needing some treatment or intervention support.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would one.
1: Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I went on a bit of a tangent there because you were you're like, okay, she's still talking. Sorry. No, no.
0: I was thinking, oh, it sounds like we need a ACEs episode, you know, <laughs> like true. an episode on, on trauma inventory because a lot of therapists aren't doing that. So yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can think of a lot of people who I know and it's like, just not, you know. Yeah. Um, well- yeah, like you said, I think that people will come in and say, "I have this like panic attack thing," mm-hmm. and and you know we want to listen to where people are at. We also want to bring in our expertise of knowing where some of this stuff comes
1: from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you bring up a good point, like that maybe they're not doing it. Like, I think it would be unethical, and to some extent, unethical to like do a trauma assessment on someone after you've done this intake, and then if you don't know how to. Help them, You're, you would be like mm-hmm. that hard place, right? You've already started. And yes, we can still do it. We can say, you know what? It's, it happens too that it comes up, they have more issues than you are able to handle or different issues that you just aren't trained in. But I just wonder if um, sometimes people don't do it because they're like, I don't, I wouldn't even know how to start there. And so I'm going to start with where they are.
0: Right, right. Like, if, like, I love talking about sleep, right? But if a sleep specialist looks at my intake, They're going to probably see one question about sleep and they'll be like, Why didn't you rule out sleep problems? Um, So (laughs) that's just not my scope, even though I appreciate supporting people around sleep issues because it relates to trauma recovery too. So,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. When we specialize in something, we focus our intake on making sure we've gathered that information. So that's right. Yeah. You were going to say something before I was like, I went on a tangent.
0: Oh, I just have like a million things that come to mind. Like another one that's coming to mind is kind of like about where people talk about, you know, where people, patients, friends, whatever, will say something like, you know, I don't know why I'm crying so much, Mm -hmm. or I don't know why I can't cry. Like this, like expression of emotion, Mm -hmm. difficulty, or where it feels like it doesn't match how someone's feeling. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know where the tears are coming from, or maybe they feel like crying, but the tears aren't coming. Um, mm-hmm. So, some of those kind of things, you might look at trauma. That one Absolutely. Makes
1: sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, obviously, to me, it does. But it makes sense because basically, you know, you might be looking at trauma, but you're also looking at the way you learned to express emotions and what emotions were safe and unsafe to express when, where, and why. Right. Um and it goes back to I think we did talk about this before but like that um, that emotional neglect even if neglect is unintentional right it doesn't have to be malicious or intentful but if you didn't get the emotional support stability and intelligence that you needed we are looking at that as a trauma right because it does change the your developmental trajectory your outcome for your social intelligence, social emotional processing, um, which can then lead to being at points in your life where you're like, I I don't cry, I can't cry. Even if I wanted to cry, like it just doesn't happen. And I think we see that, you know, unfortunately we see that a lot in, you know, people who were raised and gendered as boys um, that grew up and identify as men. We see that a lot because we've gendered our society. We've gendered emotions. So we we see that a lot, unfortunately.
0: The last one I'm thinking of is like the fawn response, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so if somebody um, has heard of like fight, flight, or freeze, they might not have heard of fawn, but it's another branch of freeze um, from my understanding. Um, and so fight and flight are in the um, sympathetic nervous system where people um, then I think of it as like their nervous system is sympathetic to what's going on. So mm-hmm. they get out of there or they yell and fight back and da da da. And so those are some of the ways that our nervous system responds to some things. And then another way is our parasympathetic nervous system can sometimes have us freeze like a possum if mm-hmm. we're like being hurt or even our feelings are being hurt, um, mm-hmm. which is being hurt. Um, mm-hmm and then sometimes we fawn and so like i've definitely caught myself doing this especially with like authority or you know and somebody kind of like questioning and then all of a sudden getting really like oh like you're so great and i'm like do i even think that is that Mm -hmm. even authentic to like what i'm feeling i have no idea i think i'm disassociated at this point Mm -hmm. so um fawning is kind of like that where you may not be able to actually genuinely express express like kindness and like um, affirmation towards a person. It's really just kind of a, oh my gosh, please don't look at me. And it's a genius strategy, not that I'm a genius. but like when people do this fawn thing, it's actually really smart, just like fight, flight, and freeze. It's actually a way to survive. Um, so mm-hmm. if you find yourself fawning and kind of like saying these positive things to someone and you didn't really mean to, um, it's not that you're doing something bad, just like everything else. It's kind of just something to look at. Um, were you kind of activated in some kind of way where you had to go somewhere else?
1: Mm-hmm. I also like, thank you for that explanation. I also like to think about the fawn response as more of a learned uh, mm-hmm. response system mm-hmm. to trauma and survival, because uh, a lot of times, examples we'll think about is a young child who didn't know when a, someone was going to come home and, and be angry, frustrated, whatever, mm-hmm. and kind of learned that if I do the right things, right, if I make sure they have their slippers ready or uh, do like, be really nice and sweet, right, then I'm either not going to get the brunt of their upsetness or I can... Um, keep it at bay right so so it becomes like if i can be this really perfect docile whatever person sweet person then i can keep myself safe i can regulate um my safety environment to some extent and so and then over time it becomes more automatic when you are triggered when you're around someone or in an experience that makes your core feel like you're back in those earlier situations um, and so i like to explain that one because definitely people don't think about, we talk about fawn, you use this, the, the word that we use is fawn, but it's our people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Um, some people saying we've been conditioned to say that people pleasing is, oh, you know, that's nice. I'm a people pleaser. So it's whatever you need. And it's just like, well, maybe, and also maybe look at where that came from. And is that something that you want? Because. I think right. it's also important for us to remember that you can have lots of behaviors and patterns of behaviors, but if they don't bother you and if they're not impacting your relationships and how you function in your life, then it's not something that's quote unquote disordered or something you need to be, you know, you get some autonomy in that. Um, so some people might say, I'm a people pleaser and I love it and it works for me. Okay, that's fine. But if you're a people pleaser and you're, you're doing it how Dr. Joharchi described where like, oh, is that even what I feel? Why did I respond mm-hmm. that way? Then that could be part of your learned response system to keep yourself safe when you're feeling triggered. Um, so it's something to think about, you know?
0: I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those are some of the ones that in a nutshell, you know, just to review, like, right? So there's like tummy problems. If you're feeling like you have tummy problems, look at trauma. Also, look at the MDs, look at the medical doctors, medical providers, mm-hmm. um, the back and forth stuff. And if you grew up around, um, you know, caregivers being together, being apart, and some of that, uh, witnessing some of that process, um, you know, that would be trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of the stuck points in therapy, and some of those assessments to identify traumas. Um, We talked about that, we talked about how if somebody is feeling like they want to cry but can't or mm-hmm. like they're crying and they don't understand why and some of that emotional expression stuff around trauma and then the last part was the people pleasing part and uh the learned response of, of fawning or kind of showing up in that way and how that is um comes from a place of trauma
1: as well mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So thanks for summarizing that. People always know you can find us on Instagram. Feel free to tag us in your stories. Uh, send us a direct message if you have you know, topic ideas, questions, comments you want to make, and we'll be happy to present them on the show. You can visit our website, breakinthecouch.com, leave a message there. Uh, we also have a little survey that if you want to fill out, to give us ideas on topics. You can send voicemails if that is a way that you like to communicate, and we can put it directly on the show uh, so that you can be an engaged and active member of the audience. Uh, And then there are bookshops. So when we do mention books on the podcast, we have a bookshop that's always going to have links to the books. And then buying from that bookshop, although it's probably a little bit more expensive, does give us a tiny little kickback so we can help produce more episodes. And it actually helps save local bookstores. Uh, so, we think that that's a worthy cause worth supporting. So, feel free to buy from our bookshop.
0: If you are looking for a therapist for
1: yourself or
0: your child, you can visit our websites playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com.
1: We appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you
0: next week.